Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And my friends, there are a couple of statements made in the New Testament that are chilling to think about and unnerving to contemplate. Both of these statements were made by the Lord and can be found in the Gospel according to Matthew. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 6, but to get the context, we'll read verses 1 through 6. There we find, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, Unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. It is disturbing to think that for one who would cause a faithful child of God to stumble and be lost, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. What the Lord was doing was showing the seriousness of sin and the seriousness of being the cause of it in anyone's life. Let's move over to Matthew 26 and this time read verses 20 through 25. It tells us, Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. It is hard and upsetting to think about, but it is true that in a spiritual sense there are those who, because of decisions they make in life, will ultimately find themselves in a position where it would have been good for them if they had not been born. Just think of the spiritual condition of one about whom the Lord would say it would have been good for that man if he had not been born. But Jesus spoke those words about Judas Iscariot, who had made an unholy bargain with the chief of the priests of the Jews to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 
Jesus knew of the plan, so he spoke those words. But there are many people living today of whom that same truth could be stated if nothing changes. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Consider just a few, and it is disturbing. But let's begin with the traitor, the one who sells the Lord. In the naming of the twelve apostles, the last one named is always Judas. The terms used to describe him are graphic. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 4, we find in Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. In Mark chapter 3 verse 19, the wording is, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. In Luke 6 and verse 16, the awful saying is, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Judas was one of the trusted disciples, one of the twelve, but he betrayed that trust. His price for betrayal? Thirty pieces of silver. In Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, we find, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For Judas, the price was 30 pieces of silver. I have known a lot of people who sold out the Lord for some sort of material thing. For some it was worldly power or popularity. For others it was money. For still others it was pleasure. I knew a man in Louisville. We all believed that he was going to make a fine elder of the church. He appeared to be an exemplary Christian, a good father, a good husband. He was always ready and willing to do whatever was asked of him. But he started to move up in his company. He started to climb the corporate ladder, and he started to have less and less time for the Lord, less and less time for his wife and for his kids. He liked the money, the power, and the prestige. Ultimately, those things proved to be his price. He left the Lord, left his wife, and his kids left him. If the Lord comes right now, it can be said without a doubt that it would have been better for him not to have been born. We need also to consider the apostate. The ones we just spoke of are those who betray the Lord for things, those who sell him out. But what about those who renounce him? Apostasy is defined as a renunciation of faith, defection, turning away from. When a person deliberately turns his back on the Lord, deserts the principles the Lord has given to guide his life, principles that he won embraced, that person is an apostate. Not every sinner falls into this category. We may fall without falling away. I think of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 where we are told, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. We can fall yet repent and come back. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 we are told, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
But John continues on and writes in verses 9 and 10, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We can fall, maybe through ignorance, fear, the pleasures of sin, or for whatever reason. But we can repent and make it right with the Lord. That is not apostasy. But then there are others. Consider 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, where the Bible says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. There is something different here. These didn't simply fall away, they fell away from the faith. I think of a frightening passage found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. There we read, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the word of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. For someone to become a Christian and deliberately turn his back on the Lord and his truth, embracing that which is not true, the words of Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20-22 through 22 apply. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Yes, for such an individual it would have been better for them never to have been born. I think about the hypocrite, and the reason I say that is because some of the most scathing denunciations to be found in the Bible are found in Matthew chapter 23 as Jesus addresses an arrogant group of Pharisees. Seven times in that chapter, Jesus used the expression, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. The term hypocrite literally means a play actor, one playing a role. This was applied to those in the production of a play, a situation where one was pretending to be something that he or she truly was not. The Bible tells us all have sinned in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, but not all sinners are hypocrites. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say there are too many hypocrites in the church. I've even had parents allow their teenagers to use such an excuse to stay home. 
I recognize, as most of us do, that one hypocrite in the Lord's church is too many. But I am convinced that there are really very few hypocrites in the church that Jesus built. What I see are people like myself who try and fail sometimes. I see some who don't even try very hard. I see some who make the same mistakes over and over again. But that doesn't mean that they are hypocrites. I see people with weaknesses who often fail, but they keep trying to overcome those weaknesses and to be what Christ wants them to be. These are not pretenders, they're just ordinary people who are trying to cope with life's daily trials and temptations. There will be some hypocrites in nearly any group you find. There was a Judas among the twelve apostles. In 2 Corinthians 11 verses 12 through 15 we read, But what am I doing? I am continuing to do, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, despising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. There is no question that hypocrites, play actors, were written about in the scripture in the most odious of terms. There they are, pretending to be what they are not, unprepared to die because of the lie they live, unprepared to face God. Truly, for such it would have been better not to have been born. Finally, I want to think of those who are just indifferent, apathetic, those who really could not care less. God warned Israel when he brought them out of Egypt and into Canaan, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 12. However, it wasn't too long before they did just that. As a matter of fact, we read in Psalm 106 and verse 13, in a discussion of the very things that God had done for them, they quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. I think of what the Lord asked the rebellious Jews of Jeremiah's time in Jeremiah 2 and verse 32. He asked, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. We receive the blessings of God in constant supply. Air, water, sunshine, rain, seed time and harvest. And we know, as James tells us in James 1 and verse 17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. But do we always give thanks for all that he has done for us? Do we show appreciation by the way that we live? When Jesus was on the cross, the soldiers cast lots for his clothing. Matthew 27 verses 35 and 36 tells us, And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots, and sitting down they began to keep watch over him there. They just sat and watched him there. I know these were hardened Roman soldiers, but they just sat and watched him there. 
the Son of God in agonizing pain for our souls, theirs included, and they were completely indifferent. How could they be? But they were. How can anyone be today that knows what Jesus has done? But they are. Can we be indifferent and be saved? The answer is no. If a person dies having been indifferent to the Lord, it can truly be said of them, it would have been better if they had not been born. Let us pray that such a thing can never be said about us. Thanks for listening.